Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. It's a great, it, this, is our, this is our week of high Thanksgiving, really to, uh, uh, to, to take a special time for Thanksgiving. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But before we do, I just want to take a minute to remind you. You received in your bulletin this morning a little uh, handout about missions. This is uh, the faith promise for 2018. I know many of you have responded. And I will say, on behalf of all the missions that we support, thank you. Thank you. I know that they are grateful. We get their letters. Typically, once a month, they send us something. And many times, there's handwritten notes. Thank you. We couldn't do it without your faithfulness. Thank you for blessing us. And we've received a good number of responses, but I know there are some that uh, you've—I know you've uh, been— very active in the past, and it could just be, I know things are busy, so this is just a reminder. If you've uh, not taken the time to really pray and consider, please do that. Please do that, because we want to be able uh, very, very shortly to send out a note to our, all of our missions to let them know what 2018 will be, and uh, your help, whatever, whatever it might be it will be a help. So please, please uh, consider that. Take that home. Think about it, and please return it to us. Uh, it, the, the gratefulness that the missionary show is overwhelming. We're, uh, we're talking about that as we enter the Christmas season. Thanksgiving, at least for me, it's typically the kickoff of Christmas. I, I always like to start the Christmas season after Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving sort of has been squeezed out, hasn't it? I mean, after Halloween, you hear the, the uh, uh, Christmas music begins, and, you know, it's as if October comes, and then we're in Christmas. Well, Thanksgiving's a great holiday, and it's one I'm glad that hasn't really become too overly com- commercialized, and uh, for me, it, it just reminds me Christmas is starting and it is, and I'm going to be looking forward to it, especially December 9th. Now, you remember last week, I had you all, you all passed your audition. You all can carol. So I, I'm so looking forward to being with, I don't know who, you know, I always have said I'm a tenor, right? I need ten or more around me to help me sing. <laughs> so in my group, I need at least ten of you who can carry me. And we're going to go out on the streets of Sterling Heights, and we're going to carol. And just invite people to our church. I hope you have taken some time this morning, if you haven't already, to to let us know. Uh, There are tables you can look look at on your way out, and just uh, put your name down to be a part of it. And you don't have to go out and sing. If it's too hard for you and it's too cold, be here pray in the chapel, maybe sing a few carols in the chapel as you pray. And it's going to be a great, great evening Saturday, December 9th, as Christmas will be in full swing. We start it this week after Thanksgiving. It's a 
the week where we celebrate the day, a special day set aside that we are mindful of God's blessing. We express our thanks and we celebrate God's blessings. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say it should be more than just one day, right? Thankfulness should be part of our life. As um, they say in another country, Jésus reconnaissant. Now that's French, but it's bad French. I know. It's terrible. I can't speak French. But they say this, this Jésus uh, reconnaissant. And that translates to, I am grateful. And, and, and I know Linda Caderio's cringing with my bad French. But that translates to, I am grateful or thankful. And I know that uh, as I stand up here, I am grateful and thankful for uh, all of you here. Every person here has a part in this uh, church community, and so many of you have uh, lent a hand in doing so many great things. I'm grateful, and when I think about the way that the, the French say it with this uh, word, uh, reconnaissance, and it, it means it's, it's interesting. I find it interesting that it comes across as grateful, but it means recognize. It means to recognize, which is interesting to me. It comes from uh, the Latin uh, recognizance, recognizance, which you, you, it sounds like reconnaissance, which actually is what the English word is, and that's really to check things out or recognize them. And it comes over to English as grateful, grateful, which in our language grateful, that's from the Latin gratis, which, which means grace. And I thought about this, and I thought really the heart of thanksgiving is like the two of these coming together. The, the heart of being grateful is these two coming together to mean recognizing grace. That is the heart of that is the spirit, it is the essence of thankfulness. It's the essence of thanksgiving, recognizing grace, taking notice uh, and acknowledging that we've received something. If we're grateful we've, and we actually recognize the grace, we're taking notice of something that we received, and most often it's something that has come unexpectedly, undeservedly. And so to say thank you is to recognize grace. It's to see that we have received something that we really didn't deserve. And this idea, this idea of recognizing grace is scriptural. And I want to share a passage of Scripture today that I think highlights this, this essence, this 
uh, embodiment, this spirit of thanksgiving, this idea of recognizing grace, and it's in a passage of Scripture that could be titled The Thankful Samaritan. And no, it's not the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, that was a parable. And a parable is a story that is not necessarily a real, a, a real incident. It's a, a story to make a point But the passage of Scripture that has the thankful Samaritan is an actual event that happened in the life of Jesus Christ when he came across this Samaritan, and he was the thankful Samaritan. He was a real person who had a real and an authentic encounter with Jesus Christ. The account of this person, this thankful Samaritan, to me it's like a living parable. It's an actual real event that we can parallel to life, and we can pull some application out. I want to do that this morning from the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. That's where this is recorded. It's Luke chapter 17. It's uh, verses 11 through 19, just a short passage of Scripture, but a real account, an account Jesus had uh, with not just this Samaritan, but some others. So let's take a look at it. Luke 17, chapter, uh, or uh, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, Jesus said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And that's the account of the thankful Samaritan. The passage is short, it's succinct, but it's stunning. It's stunning. It's actually shocking. Ten. Ten men with a devastating disease. And at their time in history, it was an incurable disease. A disease that was so feared that any who contracted uh, leprosy, they were condemned to an ostracized life outside the community, separated from the rest of society. They formed uh, communities of their own, leper colonies, communities uh, of lepers. They were forbidden to come in contact with the rest of society. They were sentenced to lives as outcasts. They're separated from family, from friends, from work, from everything that they knew about life. Now imagine living in this time. Imagine living in the first century in Jesus' time. Living in this time and place where there was no treatment, there was no cure for this devastating disease of uh, leprosy. 
Imagine that you had such a disease and how devastating that would be. What a dreadful thing. It's not a death sentence, more like a really, really slow death sentence. In a way, it's almost worse than dying. Skin lesions and ulcers multiply. You lose the feeling in, in your extremities. It's disfiguring. Fingers and toes actually begin to, to fall away. Your, 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 your hands and your feet can waste away. Over time, a person can become totally unrecognizable. It's like being dead but alive. Some have described it as being like a living corpse. Imagine this life. You're living your life. You're enjoying your life. You're enjoying your family, your work, what brings you fulfillment. And then one day you notice there's some numbness in your fingers and and your toes. You, You get a bump on your skin and these bumps begin to multiply and they increase until you can't hide it. You can't hide it. You're found out. You're cast out. Nobody wants you around. You're put out of your house. You're put out of the city. You cannot live among us because you have this. You're shunned by community, completely separated from the life that you knew and loved, and there is no hope of ever going back. Think about that. And then one day, one day, imagine you are healed of this disease. It would be akin to a physical resurrection from the dead, nearly a literal death to life transformation. Not only would you be physically transformed, but your, your entire life would be transformed. You're reunited back with family and with community. You're back in the land of the living. You're in the company of friends and family and loved ones. You have your work back in the community. You have your fulfillment back. You are restored. You're once again able to do all these things that you love to do. You are healed. And you are healed by no effort of your own. You didn't pay for it. You couldn't buy it. You didn't earn it. You didn't work a certain number of years. There was nothing that you did that brought this healing to you. What would your reaction be? How elated would you be? I don't think there are words that could express how great one would feel if this was their story. It must be beyond all comprehension. And wouldn't you feel, wouldn't it just dawn on you to be indebted to the one who healed you? The one who made your healing possible? Saying thank you, it seems too small. Saying thank you almost seems so woefully short of how grateful one would be, right? Yet how did it go in this passage of Scripture? Ten prayers for healing. 
10 prayers that are heard, 10 prayers that are answered affirmatively. Only one who is grateful. 10 prayers, one thanksgiving. And that's what's so shocking. That's what's so stunning about this passage. How could it be? How could it be? I want to start from the top and just go through this a little bit more thoroughly. Jesus is on the road from Galilee or or to Jerusalem, and he's on the road that, that borders Galilee and Samaria. And he's approaching a town. Now, there are these ten men out there, and it seems that some are Samaritans, some are Jews. You know, think about it. If you're kicked out of your community and uh, you have this devastating disease, you know, it probably drops a lot of prejudices in your life. It probably doesn't matter who else has the disease. A guy you might have not got along with, but he's going to be your only community. So this is a group of uh, mixed people. They have just had the unfortunateness of, of contracting this disease. These 10 men, they all have leprosy. They see Jesus. They begin to shout. They know they can't come near him. That's not allowed. They're not supposed to do that. They are supposed to stay at a distance. So they begin to shout. Obviously, they've heard of this man, Jesus. They Uh, have identified him as the one who has the power to heal. Somehow his reputation has reached them. Master, they shout, Master, have pity on us. This is an earnest cry for help. It's an earnest prayer. They know there is no cure for their disease but God. They cry out to Jesus because they know, they know, they are are convinced he has the power of God with him. And Jesus calls back. I mean, that must have just lifted their spirits right there. He noticed us. He's noticed. He's called back. And what does he say? He says, go to the priests. That's kind of a strange reply, isn't it? Not entirely. Leviticus chapter 13 is all about skin diseases. It's it's the rules and the regulations, and part of it is really to keep a community from suffering diseases that would just continue in the community. There were reasons, there was health reasons that people were put out and In Leviticus 13, it explains it. The priests were in charge of examining a person. They would examine a person with a skin problem, and it was up to the priest to determine if it was a harmless rash. And they would have to look, and they might have to take seven days and come back and look at it again. And then they make a decision. Is it a harmless rash, or is it a defiling skin disease that could be contagious, and that's going to cause that person to be separated from the community and put out of the camp? In other words, the priest, he had uh, this, it was his responsibility to perform the examination and say, you're clean, you can go home, or you have a disease. Difficult to hear. Very hard job for the priest, too, no doubt. You've got to leave. You can't go home. You've got to go live outside the city. 
dutifully, these ten men, they set out to find a priest. Now, this is certainly a test of their faith. Jesus did not heal them immediately. If it were me and I cried out, Jesus, Master, have pity on me, and I hear this, go to the priest, I'd probably be wondering, why? What's this all about? They've obviously been condemned as unclean. They've already been put out of the city. The priests already know we've got a disease. Why are we going to see the priests? But they went in faith and obedience. They went, even though they were not healed instantly, even though they could look at their situation and their situation was the the same, these ten were commendable for their obedience and for their faith, and in their faith, and in their faith, and in their obedience, as they went, they were restored. Their disease was cured, they were healed. Now, can you picture what that scene must have been like? I, I'm thinking there's ten guys walking here, they've just received these instructions. I don't think there was a lot of banter going on, like, hey, can't wait to see the priest. What do you think? You know. I'm kind of thinking it was a subdued atmosphere. That it's probably not a whole lot of talk, and they might all just be wondering inside their heads, what's going on? Okay, these other guys are walking. I'm going to walk with them. All right. We're, I'm not sure why I've been asked to do this, but I'm going to go. And then suddenly they're... they're they're feeling their feelings coming back, and there's their fingers and their toes. And, and can you imagine that this, this little band of guys that may have been sort of quiet on their walk, suddenly they must have erupted with jubilation beyond, beyond any jubilation they've ever experienced in their life. Hey, look at you! Look at you! I can't believe it! Can you picture the high-fiving and the hugging and the back-slapping and all that would be going on. This wasn't a waste of time. This wasn't a, a trick. Look at this. Look at this. It must have been a test of our faith. There's wild jubilation, pandemonium in the moment. And in that moment, one of them has the thought to praise God. This wasn't my doing. But thank you, God. He begins to praise God. And he goes back to Jesus. He goes back to Jesus to throw himself at the feet of Jesus and say, thank you, thank you. He's worshiping, honoring God as he says, thank you to Jesus. And Jesus has a response for the man. And there are three questions for which there is no answer. The man does not answer. It's almost as if Jesus is asking rhetorical questions. He's not even looking for an answer. He already knows the answer. The first question, were not all ten cleansed? Well, yes, they were. They were all healed. Ten cried out. Ten prayed. Ten responses. Ten healings. The second question, Jesus looking down at his feet. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? 
Who knows where the other nine are? There's nothing here that tells us where they are. No one knows for sure what occurred, why they didn't come back. And the third, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? You know, Jesus takes note, this was a Samaritan. This seems to imply there were others in the group, maybe all nine, maybe the other nine were all Jews. And they should have known God heals. It's the power of God that brings the healing. They would have known the Old Testament. Jews would have known the Old Testament accounts of Naaman the Syrian, who was healed of leprosy. They would have known the account of the Old Testament, Miriam, Moses' sister, who was healed of leprosy. But it's the Samaritan, the Samaritan who comes back to Jesus, not the Jews, the Samaritan who had a mixed religion with some bits of Judaism and idols of Assyria, and he had this, uh, this mixed bag of gods, and he's the one who comes back. All ten of them should have come back to Jesus. And it should have been the ones with the greater knowledge of God. Should have been the ones who, had the, who knew the power of Almighty God leading the way. Ten prayers. Only one was grateful. Only one recognized grace. Where are the other nine? This is the account. This is the account in the natural. This is the, this is the story. And there is one big glaring takeaway. There's one big glaring lesson for us all. And that is recognize grace. Be thankful. Be grateful. That's the overt. That's the obvious lesson. But let's look at this account a little bit more. Let's look at it as a living parable. Let's look at it as a living parable where we can find some parallels to life, even spiritual life, and make application to our life. And a first parallel is this, that leprosy is akin to sin. Leprosy in the Bible is associated with sin. I mentioned Miriam, who was healed of leprosy. But how did she first contract leprosy? Miriam was Moses' sister. She rebelled against Moses. She presumed that she heard from God better than Moses. She was upset with him because he, he married a, a, a woman and she didn't like. So she said, well, I, I hear from God just as much as Moses. I don't really need him. And because of her rebellion and her presumption, she was stricken with leprosy. Gehazi, the servant of the prophet Elisha, he was greedy. He went after uh, payment for what Elisha had done. And for his greed, he was called out by Elisha, and then he lied to Elisha. Because of his sin, Gehazi was stricken with leprosy. King Uzziah, King Uzziah went into the temple of the Lord one day and he said, well, I'm as good as a priest. I'll do the priestly duty. And the priest said, you're not a priest, you're a king. 
You can't come in here and do the priestly duties. And, and Uzziah got angry. And in a moment of his anger where he was going to take over and become the priest, he was stricken with leprosy immediately. It broke out on his forehead. Leprosy is a picture of sin. It's a picture of judgment for sin. And all of us, all of us, were stricken with the insidious infection called sin. It's a gnawing, wasting disease that leads to death. Leprosy, like sin, causes separation too. The ten lepers, where were they? They stood at a distance. Why is that? Because they they were separated from Jesus. The rule was they had to stay away. They were diseased. They had to stay away. There was a separation, and that's the effect of sin. It separates us from God. Revelation chapter 21 describes heaven, heaven filled with God's presence. And John, who wrote Revelation, he wrote, nothing impure will ever enter. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. Impurity cannot be in the presence of God. Sin, like leprosy, is a, is a separator. It's not just this disease that is, is fatal, but it's a, it's a separator. It separates us from God. And like leprosy in those days, sin is incurable. It's an incurable and inevitably fatal disease. And I see incurable by mankind. I see incurable because sin is incurable by any power of man or woman. Not that people haven't tried. Not that uh, they've tried to be good enough. By trying to be good enough, following rules and regulations, trying their best to be holy enough, no matter how hard any have tried, They fall short. No one can be absolutely 100% pure. And nothing impure can enter God's presence. Getting right with God, it can't be earned. It can't be bought. So is there any hope? Yes, yes, there is a cure. There is a cure. There is a single remedy that exists. And it's the same remedy that the ten lepers used. It's the exact same lep, uh, uh, remedy that these, these that had a disease used. What did they do? They cried out to Jesus. Jesus, have pity on us. Have pity on us. Jesus is the one and only sure and, and certain cure for the fatal disease of sin. Jesus. It's only by Jesus that your sins, though they are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. It was Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There is a separation. And the only way to remove the separation is Jesus by repentance and obedience and faith like those ten men did. They were were obedient in their faith. Turning away from our sin by repentance and, and turning away and turning away from our sins only to Jesus. 
Because Jesus is not just a way. Jesus is the way. He's not one of many. He is the one, the one and only. The lepers had learned the healing power of Jesus. He was their one and only hope. They couldn't go to any doctor. They couldn't go to any man or woman. They couldn't go to somebody who'd rattle some bones and shake some dust and cure their disease. It wasn't going to happen. They had one hope. They saw their hope, and they cried out to their hope. Jesus can heal, and he can heal the fatal soul disease called sin. It's the reason that he died. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace with our creator God. Removing that separation, that punishment was put on Jesus. And by his wounds, we are healed. So many of us here today, we know that. We know it. We have done what the lepers did. We cried out to Jesus at some point, at one day. We cried out, Jesus, have pity on me. Save me, cleanse me, heal me. I cannot get right with God. I need you. And what did Jesus do? He healed. He removed that separation. Now, are we like the majority? Are we like the nine out of 10? Are we like nine out of 10 of the lepers? Or are we like the one? What was the difference between the nine and the one? The nine were healed. They were cleansed just as much as the one was. No doubt they were thrilled. No doubt they were ecstatic. They might have ran off to tell family. They might have ran off to tell, tell friends. Maybe they continued on their journey to find a priest. But what they didn't do was recognize grace. From a distance, they had cried out to Jesus. And from a distance now, they remained. But the one, the one, he turned back. He glorified God. He came into the presence of Jesus. He fell on his face. He worshiped at the feet of Jesus. He was thankful. He was grateful. He recognized grace. He saw that Jesus not only healed him and cleansed him, but this barrier was removed. He could approach Jesus. He could touch Jesus. He could wrap his arms around him. He could fall on his feet and grab a hold of them and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. The barrier was separated. It was gone. And he could, without any interference, go into the presence of his Lord. And Jesus even talked to him. It seems so many people who've called on Jesus, they've called on him for the forgiveness of their sins. They miss the fact that they can have a relationship with him. They miss the fact that they can go to him. And it all begins by recognizing grace. It begins with this idea of thanksgiving. Far greater are our blessings who have received Christ and had our souls healed and we have eternal life. Far greater are our blessings than the blessings of the lepers. 
They received healing to their body. But the grace of Christ that we have received has given new birth to our souls. We've been brought back from the dead. We've been brought back from the dead to be reconciled unto God. We were once so far from God, now so near to him through Jesus Christ our Lord. If that poor leper, when he was healed in the fullness of gratitude, recognized the grace given him and threw himself at the feet of Jesus, praising God with a heart overflowing with gratitude, how much more grateful can we be for being saved from destruction forever and given eternal life? How much more grateful can we be? As I said at the start of this, it's thank you is just too small. It doesn't seem enough. Recognizing grace, rejoicing always, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Recognizing grace, giving thanks. It's not just one day out of the year. We have eternal life. Let's make it our daily pursuit to recognize the grace of Jesus Christ. Make it our daily pursuit. Make it a lifelong, life-living uh, habit of ours that we would recognize grace, to be in fellowship with Jesus, to be in relationship with Jesus realizing every day that barrier is gone. We can go to him. We can go to the feet of Jesus. Do you have a relationship with Jesus, the giver of eternal life? Or have you stayed off at a distance? Or worse yet, is there still that separation of sin? Have you ever even asked him, to heal you of this disease? Is the barrier of sin still an issue? I want to say, if it is, you can have it removed today. You can have it removed right now. You might not believe it. You might not think that this is something like a leprosy, but it is. Sin cannot be in the presence of Almighty God. And all of us have missed the mark. Every single one of us has sinned. And the one and only way to remove it is faith in Christ who died, who died to pay the price. It was the one and only price that God accepted was the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. Today, as we close our service, I'm going to ask any and all of you here who've never, ever said, Jesus, have pity on me. Today, you can do that. You can call out to him. As you're sitting in your seat, if this is you, just take a minute right now. Take a minute right now to look inside and ask yourself, have I ever really done that? Have I ever really 
said, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Have pity on me. Heal me of this. I need this. I need this. I want to turn from this. Help me to turn from this sin that I, I, can, I can't beat it. I cannot beat it. It's, it's something I can't do. But you paid the price. You paid the price. I want to receive that today. I know I've fallen short. You can pray that right now. And you can join me as I pray, Lord, have pity on me. Jesus, have pity on me. I've been, I have been separated from my creator because of sin. And I realize it's incurable. I want to recognize your grace. I want to recognize your grace. I want to be grateful to you for healing me. I want to ask you, Jesus Christ, to be my portion today, to pay that price. I know you already did it. I just need to receive it by faith and obedience. Like the lepers, I'll do that today. God, by faith and obedience, I'll say, I receive you, Jesus. Have pity on me. I'm going to turn. I'm going to walk away from this because I want to be back in the community where I belong. I want to be back into your community, God, the life that you have outlined for me. I want to be in that community. I want to be in that place of fulfillment, God, where you would have me have pity on me. Have pity on me. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll do my best to recognize grace every day. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. If there is any of you here this morning that prayed that prayer, if you, wanna, if you want to talk to someone about it, if you want to know maybe what, what should I do next, I just want to invite you down to, to the front here we can talk to you. We'll even pray with you again.